0: Tried to wash my car on Monday, took it for a proper clean on Tuesday, bought a coffee machine on Wednesday, and drunk espresso on Thursday and Friday and Saturday and chilling
1: on Sunday. I'm 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 worried that we've lost you Eddie somewhere. Hello, welcome to the Pepper Pods again. Hello. Hi Eddie. How are you? Hi. How how are we doing? We're doing mine. That um that snippet at the very top of the pod. We we are now recording this on Monday. We did record one yesterday, didn't we? I think though yesterday we might have been in a in a bad place. I was in a really bad place. That's the worst Sunday
0: I've had since Dubai when I last played golf. Um it was bad, really bad. So
1: uh but I, yeah, think I think that's it. You you everyone's having good days and bad days. You get high on too much coffee and then had come down off that high, I think. Yeah. And not not yeah. much of what we recorded made a great deal of sense as if it ever does, but I've got so I've got my first coffee of the day here. It's um so this will kick in in about 20 minutes the caffeine from this. And so it it, it will, I will just be mid pod. I will just Oh, you oh, you won't have seen anything like it. It'll be It'll be crazy, but I'm timing my coffees. But that is the danger. Just now, we're all I had probably about eight, nine cups of tea yesterday, and about four coffees. So really, yeah. wow! That's,
0: I think I had three. I had three coffees yesterday. But this new machine I've got, I think it's just it's, it's pounding this coffee out at a strength that you couldn't believe. Um, but you're a
1: quality barista now. I saw the machine because that's quite a high end machine. I mean, they're not they're not cheap. But if you if you get good at, good at it. They can be oh they you, you earn the rewards if you're good. Are you good at it?
0: Yeah no I've been working on it the last few, three or four days uh, since I bought it. It's much more difficult than I uh, imagined it would be. Actually you know a newfound respect for baristas, mm. um, I must say. But uh, no I'm i think I'm getting it right now. I've worked on I've had to add quite a bit of science to it. You know and math. So I only make sure I put in between sixteen and seventeen grams of coffee per espresso pour and it uh, takes about 25 to 27 seconds each pour and I time mm. it and I'm weighing it so yeah I'm making sure that I'm getting it right and consistent and now I'm trying to texturize
1: my milk to a flat white which is tricky. Mm. So I'm I'm, a bit, uh, I'm one of those sort of uh, slight coffee snobs well a lot of people are now but um, but I haven't got a proper machine I've got a well I can say it we're not in the BBC anymore I've got an espresso machine but I don't use their capsules anymore because they're environmentally unsound so you uh. get uh, other companies make capsules that fit into the machines uh halo maybe we'll get sponsored by them they're there so that they they make good coffee i'm actually i'm desperately trying to cling to normal life in the outside so i start i dress one of my dogs up as a barista and i make a coffee and then i pretend that they've done it then i sort of tap my bank card on their water bowl and then uh we both have a laugh because it's not contactless and uh and then i say oh same time tomorrow joe and walk out and they wonder what else going on but that's just what you do too Okay, my normal life has gone. You, you, start, you don't care about what clothes you're wearing anymore, what you look like. What's the what's the point of it all? You just
0: and, get through the day. Yeah, I, I actually had a shave last night and that's the first time in a year I've shaved. Um obviously I we we'll, we'll have to send a photo out on Twitter, but um a friend of mine, Laurie Cantor, who might well feature on the podcast <laughs> down the road. He, um, he completely shaved his head two or three nights ago and sent it through. And, and it was still the most shocking thing about this whole outbreak, this whole pandemic, is seeing Laurie's new head. Mm. Um, but uh, I was saying... It's, it's an odd
1: shape, isn't it? It's, it's, it's pretty, sort of square.
0: Yeah, I can't tell the listenership how he described himself because it's just too rude. But mm. uh, it was deadly accurate. Um, and deadly being the key word there. Um, but, uh, yeah, no. Uh, talking of dogs... Um, I see you went viral this week or last week now, Andrew. Um, and it's funny because only two weeks ago, I remember you were saying about Twitter, "Oh, you know, I can't stand it; it's getting don't me like down it. and depressed." Yeah. And and now, all of a sudden, two weeks on after seven and a half million views, you're you're lapping it up. Um, what what lapping it just, up? That's yeah, not great.
1: that's not to say I I still don't dislike Twitter. It's just, but what I have seen is uh, what I have seen, and to be serious, remote, lots of sort of the good side of Twitter during this is that. You know, it it was it was odd. It was it was just a, a silly thing I did a wee while ago and decided to put it out and thought, oh my my mother might like that, but um, she hasn't responded. Ryan Reynolds has responded, so unless Ryan Reynolds is my mother, then I haven't had a response from my mother. But it it got. I don't know why it went out to America and it, all the responses I get now and they're still coming in are from America and requests to go on Australian television and South African breakfast news and things, and it's just. I don't quite get that because it wasn't that. Fu- I mean, it was fine. It was. It wasn't that funny. But lots of people, genuinely saying, "Oh, I've, I'm having you know a grim time at the moment." That just made me smile for ninety seconds. That sounds really Brenty when I'm saying that. So you know, if I could have alleviated your, your sadness for a while, then I'm I'm, I'm grateful. But anyway, it's just a bit of nonsense. But it's, yeah, it's weird, weird. Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. My dogs love Ryan Reynolds now. So we anyway, well, who doesn't love Ryan Reynolds? Uh, who is he? Is I, I get confused between Gosling and Reynolds. I think Reynolds is the more successful one, Deadpool and things like that. Yeah, no, so, Ryan Reynolds is the better
0: looking one. He's Deadpool.
1: Um,
0: yeah, he's what, he's just. What does a little Gosling little do? I don't know what Gosling does. He did that um, La La Land movie, didn't he? Which I no, haven't seen. Was that um, him or was that Reynolds? I, I thought. No, I thought that was Reynolds. definitely Ryan Gosling. Yeah, was unless it? it
1: was unless it was Adam Sarson as well. <laughs> yes, or Shane Bacon. Anyway, yeah. all this nonsense. I mean, you start to understand why. You know, Julian Assange went a bit haywire in the Ecuadorian embassy because it's just not good. Um, I'm writing a novel, a golf pro who's also uh, a detective, Mike Thundercliffe. He's based in Hampshire, quite a big deal in the PGA South region on the pro-am circuit, and solves crimes on the side. Publishers are not swooping for it, but, you know, I'll get it out there. And just working on music, a few tracks together for my first album, Super Sunshine Lady, which uh, I think is is gonna be big, so yeah, we're all just doing what we can to get through. Yeah. Good luck with that. <laughs> oh dear, right, let's talk golf. Actually I've got a golf connection, Eddie, for you linked to um linked to uh the tedium of our daily life at the moment because everyone likes to pretend they're they're um doing incredible things like working on uh their, their first novel or whatever it might be. But all we're really doing is watching reruns of TJ Hooker and the Jukes of Hazard, Jukes of Hazard on Forces TV. Do you know what the do? Does that ring a bell at all, Jukes of Hazard, to you? Well, it was the Golf Connection. Was it written by Ken Duke? That's quite good, actually. It was written by Mickey Hazard, a former Fulham footballer. Did he play for Fulham? No. So, Jukes uh, of Hazard, 80s programme. It was made into a film as well, I think, later on. Um, but they used to drive around the Duke brothers, Bo and Luke Duke, in the General Lee. And the General Lee, the actual car that was used, although I think there were a few used in filming, but one of them is owned by Bubba Watson. So he owns the General Lee. There we go golf connection that's a seamless seamless uh segue from nonsense chat into golf chat um i'm not sure what bubba watson's up to just now because i don't i don't follow him on social media but all golfers oh, it seems 99.9% of golfers are living on peloton at the moment they're doing well out of this but the schedule we have to talk about the schedule as is or as was, because the US Open, I think, is, I'm pretty sure that will go now. So you're looking at that at the end of the year. But then what about the Open Championship? Because if that, they're talking about that being played later in the year, but then you're looking at, you know, you could play a Lynx Golf much later in the year, but, you know, daylight hours, you're not going to have enough daylight hours to do it.
0: So, well, not to concern the listenership, but I do have some reports this morning from an inside source, um, quite a trustful source as well, I would say. Lorry counter. Uh, not lorry, um, but... That the Open's going to be pushed back a year, so um, what a shame that would be. But uh, that's what I've received this morning. So mm. you know, we'll have to well, wait. Well, you see. can't
1: reveal your sources. Is your source does it have long floppy ears and four legs? And no, no. This did you imagine is... this in your coffee high yesterday as well? Because you mm. you could basically see through space and time yesterday. So yeah, um, no. This is the source that's we've we've
0: pre- previously been mentioned. It has links to Russia um, and Vladimir. So it's it's. Yeah, you know, it's trust. It's you know.
1: uh, yeah. I'm not sure whether I believe anything you say these days. After the um, George Kutzea nonsense, because I genuinely believe that he'd punched a shark, and then I found out afterwards. And it, it was because you do, you do it quite convincingly, and you've got to make these stories almost believable. Because I could almost see George Kutzea punching a shark, but the fact that it was it was utter nonsense that let me down a little bit. Um, did George Kutzea punch? A shark. Uh, we'll have Shark Chat later on, actually, uh, in uh, my new feature... Um, Talking, uh, reliving great majors of the past but just on the schedule we're going to be hearing from Georgia Hall as well later former winner of the Women's British Open of course Eddie is obviously very successful champion of our hearts but there are plenty of players and plenty of, of layers within the professional game and it's difficult for any pro to make plans but also for some perhaps to even keep their heads above water financially and of course do the simple things at the moment like practice this was a, a quick chat I had with ladies European tour winner Meg McLaren
2: at the moment, I feel like the only golfer in the world without a practice net in my back garden. But I've had one on order for the last week. So I'm hoping it's going to turn up at some point. And I ordered- Are you just
1: smashing drives into a duvet on the, on the washing line or something?
2: The problem is we've got like, there's just about enough space to hit shots into a net in my garden. But there's like a wall on the other side. So if I don't get the setup right, it's going to go straight through the, you know, whatever I put up there. Hit the wall and come back to me. So that's... You know, however long we're going to be out for, I don't really want to add to that with like a broken arm or, you know, a broken jaw <laughs> yeah. or something from a golf ball. Uh-huh. Or,
1: a, or a legal action. What what about um, all the other golfers that you... I mean, you must, you know, on the Ladies European Tour, it's quite a tight family, I, I would imagine, and you're in touch with each other. And, you know, the LET players are always operating in a sort of finer margin at the best of times so there must be some players out there who are finding it a bit of a I suppose a struggle to be brutal a struggle financially at the moment
2: yeah and it's a shame isn't it because this year you know I know I know this goes a lot bigger than sport but this year was really going to be the year that the LET hopefully took off with the investment from the LPGA and you know a schedule that all of a sudden was getting closer to 30 tournaments than the sort of 10-15 that we've had the past couple of years it's just a shame for us but I suppose maybe we're a bit more used to having time on our hands. Um, you know, we don't have the have the safety net of, you know, the past few years of earning millions or hundreds of thousands. So it's, you know, everyone's a bit like, well, when things do kick up again, are we going to be able to afford to do what we want? You know? Yeah.
1: And actually, you, you you might be able to tell us because professional golfers are are they self-employed people and is there any we saw you know the chancellor brings out some support for some self-employed people does that i don't know if that even applies to certain professional sports people
2: no i haven't looked into it that much yet but i know a lot of girls were saying basically they'll have made a loss the last three years that it's you know that it adds up for because whenever you put expenses on top of everything there aren't many girls that are going to made on average a profit which is a pretty tough spot to be in to not make a profit and then not get any help on top of that. You know, you just kind of got to take it each day as it comes and try and figure out, you know, I'm, I'm okay at the moment, but it just depends how long it lasts for. That's kind of the same for everybody, I guess.
1: And I mean, these are extraordinary circumstances. So there might not even be alternative employment out there available to to golfers. Because I know in the past, you know, and you've written about it and others have spoken about it. Mel Reid spoke about it. Quite often in the women's side of the game, players do have to try and find alternative employment. So things must be worse by 20-fold at the moment.
2: Yeah, exactly. I know a few girls who are maybe applying to, to Tesco and the supermarkets and stuff because they're the only places really that you can get something at the moment. But even that, it's, you know, it's borderline impossible to pick something up at this point. Um, and a lot of the girls maybe would have done a bit of teaching here and there. And obviously that's off the cards as well so it's just it's the same as everyone you're just trying to survive at the moment but it's tough it makes you realize kind of how lucky we are and how privileged we are i guess to do what we love under normal circumstances
0: the pepper pod well there's meg and nice to hear from meg and obviously um shining a light on all the difficulties that many people are having
1: caddies as well um, yeah, I yeah. mean, and your your brother is a is a is a pro as well, a club pro. It's not easy at any level at the moment. Yeah, no, his um, earnings on the course are uh, Well, actually no, they're
0: not taking a hit at all. Um, but uh, <laughs> he, um, it's a tough time for everyone. It was interesting to see what the PGA Tour did this week, and um, you know, at first I kind of felt a little unsure about that. I wasn't sure how necessary it is that many of the players get paid uh, at What's the this moment on the on the FedEx. That's on the FedEx, but obviously nice what they've done with the caddies. And I think upon reflection, you know, it's only fair with what governments are doing around the world that PGA Tour and companies try and do the same. And I suppose that's all they're doing. But, um, yeah, that was raised a little interesting... uh,
1: Debate internally with myself, uh, that, that one. Interesting. Um, internal debate. It rages all the time within Eddie's brain. Larry David, did you see he's, So Larry David is the, uh, possibly the greatest man in the world, but creator of co-creator of Seinfeld and star, obviously, of Curb Your Enthusiasm. But he's donated, I think he's donated $5,000 to the caddies at Riviera, but also started up and publicised, more importantly, a, a crowdfunding page for the caddies there because they're out of work. And it's got, got $150,000. I love Larry David. My brother, uh, Colin Caddy's at Troon. That's his job. So he's written off this year um, because no visitors are going to be coming over. I mean, the season for visitors really ends in, in October. So the peak season throughout the summer, that's not going to be happening. So, yeah, there we are. Anyway, listen, Georgia Hall's going to be here shortly. I'll be asking her about TikTok and things like that. Um, Eddie, what is your all-time favourite major?
0: All-time favourite major, I reckon, was the... Um, ooh, let me think. Was it 2005 where Tiger hold that chip at the Masters?
1: That was, that was, yes. So you were a big DeMarco fan, were right? you? Oh, Tiger. Loved Chris DeMarco. I mean, he had a spell, Chris DeMarco, didn't oh, he, for he a few great. years? Yeah, well, he, he was, was brilliant. He was properly good for a, for a while, absolutely. Um, okay, well, we might be doing the 2005 Masters in this new feature, soon to be repeated or, or quickly dropped, which we... Because all... TV channels at the moment are, are that show sport are having to show old FA Cup matches or World Cup matches or Sky Sports, Golf are showing lots of old Open Championships. So we're going to do it here. We're going to go back into um, the archives and just tell you a little bit more about some of the greatest uh, majors, the greatest tournaments in golf and what unfolded there and perhaps put them in context. So the first one we're going to do, because we're nearing what would have been Masters Week, is the 1986 Masters? So tell, what would you know about the 1986 Masters, Eddie?
0: Um, very little because I was born in 1991. All right, all
1: right. Um, okay, okay. Well, this happens on this happens on pointless. And it gets Richard Osman cross because people say, "Oh, I don't know about that topic. That was a bit before my time." Yeah. Well, I, the Beatles were before your time, but you could name them or name their song. What? Oh, things that happened before you're born still have a relevance. You're not a historian of the game. No, I'm I'm
0: really not. I'm I'm terrible actually at um, that sort of thing. i you know I have a couple of vague memories. Jack Nicklaus winning, obviously, wearing yellow on the final day. Mm. Famous putter raise on one of
1: the closing holes. Is that it? One of the closing um, holes. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, um, I'll tell you now that was the seventeenth, and we'll go into it in greater detail. I'll give you some of the context of the time, 1986. So top of the charts in 1986, "Living Doll" by Cliff Richard and the Young Ones. Have you heard of them? Have you heard of? Have oh, you heard of Cliff? Oh, I've yeah. certainly heard of Cliff Richard. Uh, I've never been fortunate enough to meet him. The young ones? Yeah, I've heard of them. Okay.
0: Uh, Rock Me Amadeus by Falco. No, that means nothing. Oh,
1: God. A Kind Didn't of he... Magic by Queen. <laughs> That's a kind of magic. Yeah, okay, good. Okay, you don't have to sing them. Just say, I know that song. Absolute Beginners by David Bowie. Yeah, Bowie was, again, before my time. Oh, my god. God. Uh, and Manic Monday by the Bangles. Good song. It's
0: another manic Monday. The listenership at this point will know that I've been practicing my singing in the have last you? week. Um, yeah,
1: yeah, uh, I've been uh, been working hard on it. Yeah. So we've had a bit of uh, a bit of Craig David, a bit of Queen, a bit of the Bangles. That was written by Prince, anyway. So that's the co- that's that's the context. What I've just given you some music from 1986. Right. More importantly, have a guess how many English players there were in the field for the Masters in 1986.
0: I'm the English players in nineteen eighty six. Um well I'm thinking Nick Faldo would have been around at that time, but maybe not. Um uh, maybe that was just before his time. Um well, I heard various times. Say, oh well that's well, okay, yeah, well there you go. Um I didn't even realise that, sir so, Nick. Um I'm
1: gonna say zero on that front. That's a good guess. Or you've been doing some research and thinking that I might be quizzing you on the nineteen eighty six Masters. Just quickly on Faldo. So nineteen um Eighty-six, famously chronicled, actually, in John Feinstein's great book, A Good Walk Spoiled, because he was he totally rebuilt his swing through sort of 1985. In 1986, it was starting to come together. He was a very successful player before that, but he knew that his swing wasn't standing up under pressure. And so with lead better, just making it more and more consistent. And in 1986, he's, he said he remembered the the difficulty of getting off the plane and all the other golfers who were there, you know, he was he was going to get ready to play Hilton Head the week after the Masters and all the other golfers were getting ready to play the Masters and it really hit home. But it had started to click just about then. And so you know, then from there he just went on to obviously Great Things, eighty seven winning the open, blah, blah, blah. But in the field that year, no English players only two players from the UK, and I'll give you many, many points if you can name... Well, I'll give you one point if you can name one of them, but I'll give you many, many points for the second one. Um, maybe Sandy Lyle would have been there. Yeah, San, so, so Sandy Lyle was there. I mean, he'd won the Open the year before, so they couldn't really refuse him an invitation. And the other one was... I'm going to tell you because you're not going to get it—is uh, The amateur champion was Garth McGimsey, great Northern Irish player. Um, but only four Europeans in total in the field. Now, you will be able to get the other two Europeans. Yeah, so that would be Seve, surely. Yeah. Yes. And I reckon the
0: other one would be um, German who I played with uh, last year, actually, on the final
1: day, Bernard Langer. Did you play with him on the final day? Yeah, no. Um, I mean, I don't know why I queried I that, as if you're just you a blatant liar, because everyone could check that and say, hang on a minute, Eddie's lying. He he played with, what's the guy's name? Jeff Knox. Uh, yeah, but uh, Bernard yeah. Langer. You did play with Jeff Knox as well, didn't you, the marker? I did. Me and me and Jeff just went out on a two-ball first off on
0: the Saturday. That was absolutely brilliant. Jeff Knox is a hell of a player.
1: He's a good player, um, isn't he? I mean, what sort of level of player do you think, what did, what did he shoot? He shot, I think, two over or something.
0: Um, I remember giving him like a five-foot putt on the 15th because I was so confident I was going to beat him. I was like two ahead at this point, so I was like, let's just, you know. And it was tight. I think I beat him by two. I want to say I
1: shot level par that day and he shot two over, but he's a serious golfer. So for those who don't know, Jeff Knox is the Augusta Club member who is traditionally now the marker. He's been club champion there many times and he goes out if there's an odd number of players make the cut. He has to go out or... I think they, they, they do recommend that the player takes the marker. You can tell us. Do they do they say you have to play with the marker? Because at most tournaments, you wouldn't have to play with a marker. Yeah, I wasn't given a choice um, from memory. He, he was
0: there. He was there. There were <laughs> thousands there of people play? around the first team. Yeah, he was there with his with his gun, and he said, you're playing with me whether you like it or not. And uh, so did there you, we, there we you, went.
1: Was there any cash on the side? I'm not sure we should say that there, Augusta, but was there anything involved, or is he not allowed to do that? No, we didn't play for any cash. No, no, no. It's not my style. No. Right. Okay. Um, So there we are. Uh, How did I get to that? Oh, yes. Langer. So Langer was there. He was the defending champion when Seve had won in 1883. So Garthman, Jimsy, Seve, Langer and Sandy Lyle. Those were the four Europeans. 88 players in total in the field at the Masters. 73 from the United States. But anyway, this is the context. Nicholas was in by his standards, dreadful form. I mean, he wasn't playing that much at all, really. And he had seven starts on the PGA Tour in 1986. He missed the cut in three of them. He withdrew in another. His best finish was tied 39th in Hawaii coming into the Masters. And he'd been totally written off. There was a newspaper which had done its preview of the tournament and run down you know, all the big names and said what the chances might be. And they came to Nicholas and just said, absolutely no chance, no 46-year-olds win at... Um, Augusta, I mean, 46 in golfing terms then was considered absolutely ancient because the equipment hadn't come in, which helped players keep their distance longer into their their careers. Um, so 46 was ancient, which is how old I am now, which is nice. But uh, he was totally written off. And the final le- round leaderboard as well was was stacked. Seve, Greg Norman, Tom Watson, Tom Kite, Nick Price, Langer. But Nicholas was doing okay. Four behind going into the final round. Four behind Greg Norman. Now, this was the year that Norman led every single major going into the final round. And again, you'll be able to tell me how many of those he won, Eddie, before um, your time. Way before my time. Zero? <sighs> no, he won at Tunbury, So he won, his fir- he won his first major. He won the Open at Tunbury, But every major he led going into the final round. This is, this is kind of Pete Greg Norman, because that's what he did. He was a you know, great player but a terrible finisher in majors, terrible at actually sealing the deal. You know, that's why you compared him to Faldo, and they played together in a famous uh, round at St Andrews in 1990, The they opened and Faldo just destroyed him. Um, but anyway, Greg Norman was there leading. I mean, I've given a bit of a spoiler uh, there as to what might happen here, but, you know, the saying, the Masters only begins on the back nine and Sunday, well, this year was a sort of great example of that. Nicholas parred the first eight holes, didn't even birdie the, the par five eighth, but then he birdied the ninth, the tenth, and the eleventh as well and suddenly people are getting excited. Are you getting excited, Eddie? I am. I think I'm going to have to put some you know, birdsong under this, some effects or something, because I'm not sure this uh, feature or this telling of the 86 Masters is quite conveying the atmosphere or the thrills of that. But then Nicholas bogeys the 12th, and he said that was the first time he got uh, a bit nervous. So the lead at this stage was held by Norman and Seve. Norman, though, being Greg, double bogeys the 10th. Nicholas birdies the 13th, par's the 14th, but Seve is absolutely taking control of things now. He eagles the 13th, his second eagle of the day after the 8th as well. He leads by two from his playing partner, Tom Kite. I'm getting quite excited. But up ahead, Nicholas started to make his move on the 15th. He knocked it to 12 feet, rolls in the putt for eagle, then hits his tee shot on the 16th to 3 feet. And this is a famous tee shot because um, his son Jackie, say, who's caddying for him, said, be good, and Nicholas... And, and he said this was the only time in his career that he was a bit cocky. He, was just, he just picked up the tee. He wasn't even looking at the ball in the air and he said, it is. And people are now running around Augusta. You don't run around Augusta. You get told off. But I think even the security guards were running around because this was a great story unfolding. And then Seve, you know what happened to him on the 15th? You must remember, You must have seen that somewhere. On Seve stood there, middle of the fairway, four iron, five iron in, second
0: shot, trying to make a third eagle of the round then, I'm guessing. Um, beautiful man, lovely brown hair, lovely light brown skin, just glowing in the sun, uh-huh. I suspect. And goes and fails spectacularly in pepperal
1: Norman fashion
0: and hits it what, middle of the water?
1: On fifteen? Yeah. yeah, he was be- you're absolutely he was between four and five iron and he went with a four iron, and he tried to hit it easily. And oh. yeah, and it was he, he said he always said you know, for for the rest of his days, he said that was the the one shot that that he really regretted more than any other, and it, it really stayed with him because he was so brilliant and so loved Augusta as well, and was so fantastic round there. I mean, he was in the playoff next year as well, um, with Larry Mize and dear old Greg. But he's you know it was one of the worst shots of his great career, the worst possible moment, and the crowd. It was a sort of a an initial "ooh, it's gone in the water," but then a bit of a cheer, and Nicholas knew up ahead that someone. One of the main contenders had gone in the water. And then uh, then you've got Jack Nicholas on the 17th with a famous part. That's what we were talking about. It was on the 17th, a bit of a double breaker down the slope to lead by himself for the first time. And there was a sort of classic bit of commentary from Vern Lumpus, who incidentally commentated on the Tiger Chip in 2005 as well. So he was with CBS. And he never said anything too flowery or too too detailed, but he always just had a great sort of exclamation, and um, I wonder if we can play Verne Lunquist commentary Hang on a sec, i I'm going to find it let's, let's just find this Oh, got it, here we are, yeah. yes, there we are. It kind of snaps off there, but um, if that was Verne Lundqvist and that's all it was and that's, that, that's, that's what I love about really good commentary there's just, he sets it up, the tension of it, as it was coming all the way down the slope. with just a maybe, and then, boom, yes, sir. Um, so, yeah, I think I should try and do a yes, sir, in future commentaries, if we ever go back to it. Maybe as a dog finishes breakfast <laughs> with a last piece of braille of kibble. Maybe. Yes, sir. Um, <laughs> right, anyway, so... Nicholas Birdie's 17th, pars the 18th. He's now waiting uh, in the clubhouse, seeing who can catch him. Seve, though, is gone because he 3 putted the 17th. He eventually finished two behind. Norman, though, Norman has gone back to classic Norman storming, storming Norman, storming around the back nine after his double in the 10th. I mean, he was always good when he was chasing things, so he birdied the 14th, 15th, 16th and 17th and just had to par the last for a playoff, but pushed his second on the 18th into the crowd, uh, couldn't make par Tom Kite needed birdie but just missed and Nicholas won by a shot from Kite Norman Ballesteros Price Watson Payne Stewart what a leaderboard what a leaderboard there we are have you enjoyed this this trip down this trip down memory lane well yeah it's nice to you know learn from a distinguished
0: voice and memory that you have what I would add to it as well is a couple of things you know even at 46 playing at uh, Augusta having went last year for myself not the age 46 but you realise that Um, experience around a course like that counts for a a lot and so i guess that's why you see players do well around there even when they're seemingly out of form and um, the other thing when you mention holes 15 and 16 they were my two favorite holes on the whole of the course actually and i think they're the two best holes and for different reasons but they come at a great time in the round but 15 when you're stood uh, in the middle of the fairway hitting that shot into the green with a long iron you know that all you have to do is hit the middle of the club face because it's such a wide target so yeah. that in itself adds a lot of pressure and then you stand on the 16th tee and you know that all you've got to do is hit it in the right direction because it's such a long green mm. so you have these two very juxtapos- juxtaposed um shots and uh it's brilliant it's just such a brilliant um two holes the way the crowd are, are set up as well um you know it to me that's where augusta is at it's very best 15 and 16.
1: I like that. I love that insight. So, do you know how much Jack Nicholas won in 1986? If you've I done actually your do, research, oh, yeah, I, go on. I googled this.
0: Yeah, yeah. no, I, I do. He won $144,000, which in today's money is less than $350,000. So, Yeah, but come you know, back in
1: six months' time and that will probably be a bit worth about $7 million <laughs> in today's money. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a fair, that's a fair point. Um, there we are. Hundred Yeah. So well, that shows just how much, you know. Forget inflation. The reason prize money is so big now is nothing to do with that, that that it is to do with the fact that Tiger Woods came along and things changed in terms of the the market. Who knows where it'll be going in the in the next couple of years? But also Jack Nicklaus, his his original, he'd won in 1963's first Masters. So '86 was his sixth. So 23 years after. His previous major before that, uh, by the way, had been the 1980 USPGA, so six years on. So there are shades of Tiger Woods winning last year. His first major, well, even longer going back to 2008. But this was, like Tiger Woods, the great great comeback of the great champion. And his original jacket, because we talked about this before, uh, from 1963, was far too big. It was just the jacket they were he was given, and so he never really wore that. He actually borrowed a jacket for when he was doing um, formal stuff and stuff, you know, on camera or whatever. He borrowed one from a club member for various years. But then in 1998, the chairman uh, said, no, "No, we've got to get you. A, we've got to get you a, your own proper jacket." You know, thank thank you for that. Thirty five years late, but 1998 they gave they gave him a proper fitted jacket, gave him a proper tailor session, and um, 1998 he finished sixth. At the age of 58, which is almost more impressive than his 1986. So there we are. That was um, good. Brilliant stuff. Brilliant stuff, Andrew. It's as if we were there. As if we were there for a very, very long time indeed. I think um, we should probably hear from Georgia Hall now. Georgia. You, you sounded, just speaking to you there, you sounded like almost everybody, I think, feels in the country. How are you coping with uh, everything at the moment?
3: Yeah, I think for golfers especially, when they travel so much, um, being stuck in one place is not ideal. Um, yeah, I'm finding it a bit hard as every day goes by, trying to do something positive throughout the day. But um, I'm not getting very far, really. There's only so much you can do in your house.
1: Is this why you're going TikTok crazy and Instagram, Instagramming it up? And you do kind of cling. Not you. One does kind of cling to social media a bit more than you would ordinarily. But um, tell us about your uh, about your social media life.
3: Well, I'm not like massive on it really. But seeing that I've not got much to do, I thought I'd I'd done a little chipping challenge the other day, and um, that was fun in my back garden. And uh, today I just kind of. I've been frog-taping half the house.
1: <laughs> Fog-taping?
3: Uh, yeah, you know, uh, it's like masking tape, but for painting, to make sure I don't get on the skirting board. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> so my
3: life's so interesting at the moment.
1: Oh, dear. Right, so what's what are you doing, Eddie? You're doing various uh, things. Apart from making coffee, you were trying to do something. Were you cutting the... No, washing your car. So you're washing your car. Oh, I was trying
0: to wash and georgia's fog taping frog taping um oh, yeah. i mean how yeah when i mean when have i you, remember at school when that, they said maybe? to me no fog taping funny enough isn't one no isn't, <laughs> it isn't isn't. isn't one of my uh interests generally but you know post coronavirus i i who knows what's going to be our interest um but yeah i've been washing a car. that's all i've been doing and uh i was just looking at your instagram actually georgia and yeah well you're having more fun than i am you pretty <laughs> yeah well done
1: oh dear anyway right okay so i don't really get tiktok i don't know tiktok because i'm over uh 25 just over 25 but um so the tiktok dance routines are big on tiktok
3: yeah um they're quite interesting ones and uh i'd you know 10 minutes free out my day and decided to create one (laughs) That was quite fun, but I think uh, we managed to achieve achieve what we wanted to do at the end of it, and uh,
1: maybe there's more coming. I don't know. Oh, I am excited about that. What about what genuinely? What about practice, though, as well, in terms of golf? Because you said you're chipping challenges, but you know, all courses are closed, practice facilities are closed. You, as professional golfers, both of you, are unable to ply your trade. So, how do you manage to sort of keep it uh, keep it alive, keep it in decent form?
3: Yeah. Um, well, I've got a couple of putting mats, which um, I suppose that's the only thing, really, apart from chipping your back garden. Um, but I try not to create too many big divots out there. <laughs> but that's 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 about all, all we can do really and just wait.
1: Have you got some high tech yeah, studio or, Eddie? Have you
0: Well I've got a putting green in my house, but I've actually not on it. So I can't putt, um and I've decided just that I'm gonna take the whole of April off. I would like to put myself in some kind of induced coma for a month or two, but I'm yet to find a technology that's going to enable me to do that. But uh, I'm on to Bill Gates and We'll see what he can come up with, Andre.
3: I'm sure there's one out there somewhere.
1: There must be. I think Rory McIlroy probably has an induced coma machine because he seems to have everything else in his his gym. So he's going to he's going to do that and in just induce stasis machine that he can uh, bring himself out of and in, uh, in June. So w- let's just give an update on the schedule here, Eddie, because um, the U.S. Open and the men's side of things looks like it's going now at winged foot. That'll be pushed back. The Open Championship, you can't see that happening. And Georgie, you can't you can't see the the Women's British Open happening at the moment, realistically.
3: Yeah, um, well, it's not really looking like that way at all. But I like to keep my hopes up on the British Open, (laughs) especially. But, um, yeah, we just have to wait and see. But I think when we do get going, uh, we're just going to be playing every week, like 10, 11 weeks in a row, um, which I'll be very happy to do. But I think when we do start playing, it will just, yeah, full steam ahead, really.
1: Hmm. What about uh, things that you do apart from staring at the phone or fog taping what do you do to uh, because eddie likes to recommend he doesn't like to i ask him to recommend something every week in terms of a book or a box set or whatever it might be uh, to keep yourself occupied so anything in particular you're watching or reading at the moment
3: uh i'm not really a big reader watching i wouldn't recommend keeping up with the kardashians i do watch (laughs) a bit of that (laughs) and then uh, i actually i do like going for walks i live like 10 minute walk from the beach um so i done like a two-hour walk today, you know, put your podcast in uh, the first two episodes and I was go for a stroll.
1: Oh, you listened to this podcast, the first two episodes? I'm concerned. Yeah. Okay, all right. I thought it was yeah, going to be something. I
3: find, I find Eddie very interesting and you're the sensible one, so it's quite fun to listen well, to. How's that
1: happened? What's this, this? In the old dynamic, which I used to have with Ian Carter, it was quite the other way around. But um, yeah, I suppose oh, I have nice. to be compared to... Eddie, funny <laughs> that. See, I,
0: um, Andrew, you may not know this, but I actually, me and Matt Wallace played against Georgia Hall and Charlie Hull uh, at the oh, Golf Sixes a couple yeah. of years ago. Yeah, and we had a great game. And Georgia holder uh, like a thirty-foot putt for eagle on the last to effectively half the match with me and Matt. Um, and uh, yeah, I think I don't. Was it eighteen or nineteen? You won the British Open, uh, Georgia. Excuse my ignorance.
3: um Eighteen.
0: Right, so it was that year. So you went on to great things. And I don't want to take any credit, but. Dare I say it? Um, I might have to because what you did there. I mean, I was so desperate not to lose to you, to you girls, because as a natural kind of misogynist, that we could I couldn't have thought anything worse than to lose to you and, and Charlie. So oh it, would been, oh it would have been, it would have been desperate. I think, but um, you
3: know, Eddie was trying to convince me and Charlie on the last hole to give Matt Wallace a two-foot putt that we left him to cut out. So. I don't think Eddie had the best of confidence for his partner there. I was
0: disappointed that you didn't give him it. I must say that's going to stick with me until the day I die that. Well, so you
1: never know. <laughs> I said we were going to relive classic majors of the past, but here we are reliving the golf sixties, 2018, um, which is a great. Well, I do like that actually, Georgia, because things coming in. You know, we can talk about golf when it does resume, and the fact that there are more tournaments where uh, men and women can play with each other and against each other. I, I mean, it, it shows that golf in general seems to be going in the in the right direction.
3: Yeah, um, I mean, that event was amazing for me and Charlie to play in. Um, you know, It's always nice beating some of the boys, especially. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it'd be great to see some more events like that um, in years to come, um, especially team events. I think, you know, I'm sure Eddie agrees with me that, you know, we play so much on the road and it can be quite a lonely place sometimes. So to play in team events with a partner, even a male partner, I think would be a lot of fun. Mm. I
0: don't know. I don't
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly so i'm slightly worried about eddie today don't worry georgia i'm editing all of this so you yeah, m- having a bad day eddie's having a bad day okay.
0: i need another coffee
1: you've had, you've had six <laughs> six coffees already so where are you you're down where, where are, whereabouts are you based georgia
3: um so i live um in parkstone which is like that side of cliffs on the south uh, no, I recently moved back. Um, bought my first place,
1: so that's why I'm painting. He, are you doing all the decorating? Is Harry helping out?
3: Um, I would let Harry, but I feel I'm the better painter, so I let him sit and watch. Really,
1: <laughs> tremendous! <laughs> what a life Harry's leading then at the moment, watching you fog taping and painting. Oh dear, yeah. this is going to drive us all is all mad um, because we both have and are slightly obsessed with our dogs. Do you have a a dog in the household, or is that not an acquisition yet? Uh,
3: no, I would absolutely love to have one though. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm always away. Um, so I I actually used to have a Labrador when I was younger called Rory. Um,
1: right. And Weird.
3: Uh, when I retire, I'd love to have a few. Yeah.
1: Okay, there we are. Excellent. Okay, I want to get another series. Do you know anything about? Because Mike Wan was very very good in the LPGA about um, very quick in terms of dealing with this crisis. Do you Do you know anything? Do you have any communications about? about what might still be in place or when things they're hoping to resume things
3: i would say the very best i don't know it could be like july but i mean i re, no one really knows i mean it's easy to phone up mike and ask you know what if what if but you know even he hasn't got answers these type of things um, at the moment the LPGA are just kind of phoning each player making sure we're all right and uh, just want to know where we are in the world what, for when they do resume play you know because I'm in England at the moment I would have to get to the US pretty quick so that's all they're trying to do at the moment um, and then yeah we just have to take it day by day really
1: yeah all right listen we'll enjoy enjoy <laughs> enjoy this day yeah enjoy yourself and your, your one, one walk and your fog taping and various other things uh, but we'll let you we'll let you get back to it, and, and Harry can carry on watching. Thanks for joining us, Georgia. No Thanks, problem, Georgia.
3: thank
0: you. Well, that was lovely to hear from Georgia, and I just should say that that was recorded yesterday on Sunday when myself, Andrew, brought Georgia down to our level, and um, we were in such a terrible way. So if that sounds slightly different to how today's tone sounds, then, then that's why. Um, but anyway, on to... Happier things, and today's, well, this week's feature, I suppose, of There Aren't Many Golfers Called
1: Alan. I'll tell you what, there aren't many golfers called Alan. Thank you once again, Alan. So, the name this week, in fact, I would like to point out also in the Georgia Hall interview that throughout it, I, I thought it was called fog taping that she was doing, the decorating, but it is actually frog taping. I didn't realise, I think it's a brand that um it's not just people taping up amphibians what? i don't but so it's it's like masking tape so um, hang on a minute so there's frog tape and there's also duct tape yeah but duct tape's duct tapes are a brand as well that's a really strong tape isn't it um what what is it with animals and tape
0: what what is it with the amphibious animals and the mm, and the tape what do we know do we oh,
1: tape. i don't know i don't know I've, I've no idea well, because there's Gorilla Glue in America, isn't it? That's their strongest glue. Is it Gorilla Glue? There's okay. Gorilla Tape in the UK, actually. Gorilla I Tape. Well, I think before. that's from the same
0: thing, yeah. yeah. So they've got Gorilla Glue and Gorilla Tape. Yeah, yeah, I used that actually two days ago to tie Jen
1: up because she was annoying me. Um, okay, anyway. good Good stuff. And uh, probably a little bit too much information for this podcast. But we are going to talk about golfers called David or Dave. That was quite dramatic, David. The coffee's kicked in. David or Dave? Any golfers called David or Dave living or no longer with us uh, in golf? Um, so it's just uh, back and forth, a bit of fun. Uh, and I'm going to start off with David Tom's. David Tom's, two thousand and one USPJ champion at Atlanta Athletic Club. I was there. He, he was he's... Shingo Katayama was going well for a while. I was with Tony Adamson, lovely man, and wonderful commentator on, on the radio that year. Shingo put it in the water, and Tony and I were there, we are, bingo for Shingo, and it was gone. He wore a cowboy hat, I think, Shingo yeah. Katayama. David Toms, there was my first one, go. Well, he famously held a five wood, was it, on that long par three as well, that week? Yes,
0: he said confidently, that's, no, was that that week? Maybe well, it was. I thought, I'm pretty certain it was that week, I think he had a Cleveland five wood from like 200 and... This is going to be impressive if this is right. I'm going to say 236 yards. Are you in any way it? near your laptop? I swear
3: on my
1: life, I'm not. I promise you that is off the top okay. of my head. Okay, but I'm going to um, check that. I'm going to check yeah. that and somebody will verify it. Eddie is correct up to a point. It was actually 243 yards, but it was a 5 wood. Here. Have a listen to this. It's got a 15. David Toms on the tee. That's a 5 wood. High in the air. And straight at the flagstick. Good-looking shirt. Get yeah. on it. Yeah. Woo, indeed. Commentary there from David Feherty. That is my answer. I think they might forget him. I wonder which David Eddy will go for next in this deeply tedious game.
0: I'm going to say David DeVal. Mm-hmm. another American. Um... I actually was at the two thousand and one open. It's the only open I ever went to, um, with my dad and my brother and it's the one he won and uh famous I, my only other memory was um Scott Hoke. I think it was Scott Hoke or Mark Kalkafeki, one of those two, Mr. Putt on one hole, and just exclaimed to the crowd, You just can't read him and um got really quite irate with himself so uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: But you can't you can't differentiate between Scott Hoke and in your memory, and this is going back to how old would you have been then about 10, 10. 11. Yeah. So you can't remember whether it was Mark Kalkovec. I mean, they look very different. One is I very think, angry. Um, I think it was The other is very Hoke. angry, but larger. Um, I think it was Scott Hoke, to be fair. But, you know, I could, uh, I, I could I, be wrong. So I might be doing Mark Kalkovec a disservice when I call him angry. He's not, not angry. He's a lovely man, by all accounts, as well. Um, Winner not Trin in 89. Uh, okay, David... Actually, a bit more than David Duval because he shot 59. and He was one of the first to do that. I mean, Al Geiburger did it back in the day. Uh, but David Duvall did it at the Bob Hope in '99. He was world number one, and then after after Lytham, he, for various reasons, you know, he had injuries, He a lot of people felt that he he lost a little bit of, or he kind of thought, is that all there is? And it lost that little inner spark of motivation. Uh, but a fascinating character, very very bright guy, and he does a lot of work on TV now. But great player in his in his day. I'm um, going to go a bit further back. Dave Stockton. Dave Stockton Do you know of Dave Stockton? Well I know that he's uh, now a famous putting coach mm. Yeah well he, he advised McElroy for a while Mickelson He was a brilliant putter throughout his career Won the USPJ a couple of times um, In the 70s Runner up at the Masters in the US Open And 91 the Ryder Cup captain um, At Kiowa Island So Dave Stockton Your turn Well I'm going to I think this is right I'm going to say David Howell
0: well, I know that's right, but <laughs> did David um, hole exist? Um, yes, he did. Much so, so David Howell. I think I've heard him say this story about when he went to see David Stockton for a putting lesson, but I'm not sure it was someone else at this point. It might not have been. Why would David, David hole need a, a putting lesson? Well, He's a brilliant putter. I know that's why it sounds a little strange. But someone said that they flew all the way to America to see him to spend 30 minutes with him for him for David Stockton to tell this player just just look at the hole, look at the ball, and just putt it. Good. And he's flown halfway around the world to see him for 30 minutes for him to tell him that. And I'm not sure it's David Howell now, but um, it was someone. It might have been Nicholas Kolsats, which is so far away from David Howell. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that would David make Howell, more sense. Yeah, it well, yeah, probably would, actually. David Howell's the chairman of the European Tour Committee. There you go, interesting fact about David Howell.
1: Is that what he does? He, he's a lovely guy, David Howell. Very, very funny man as well. But he's, he's brilliant story. around... What two thousand four five? He was he was one of the best players in the world. Uh, I mean, genuinely was. He had an amazing couple of seasons, and he was so good and such a good putter. Um, yeah, took down Tiger, didn't he? In China, I want to say took that. down Tiger. What did he say? Well, Tiger called him a cool dude. I think he's a cool dude, um, which I'm not sure is true, but I think he was cool on the golf course. Um, yeah, brilliant, a love, lovely, lovely guy. Uh, Dave, 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 Dave Hor- David Horsey, David Horsey. There we are, Um, another lovely man, Uh, very good player, was part of that 2007 Walker Cup side with Willett and McElroy, but they were up against Dustin Johnson and Ricky Fowler and Webb Simpson and many, many more at County Down, Uh, but has had a very good career as well, David Horsey, so there we are. Yeah, well interestingly, there's only one David inside the top 200
0: of the world current golf ranking, which I found quite surprising, and that's David Lipsky.
1: Um, okay. but uh, Are you I, cheating I, again basically on this By just going looking at the world rankings And, and typing in, in the player search David by any chance Absolutely That's absolutely <laughs> what I've done
0: at this point But David Tom's story was off the cuff So if that's correct then you know But no yeah there's only one uh, Which is surprising Because David's got a common name um, But uh, for there to be so
1: few yeah. Ever, yeah, I, I, they've got to step I up should. their game David's uh, I think so down. Dave Marr going even further back he was uh, he won the PJ Championship in the 60s mid 60s but he became a very well known as a broadcaster with ABC and also the BBC so if you watch old clips of you know in the the 80s maybe the BBC coverage uh, you might hear Dave Marr a lovely lovely man and sadly died far too far too early. he was captain of the great US Ryder Cup team in 81 uh, at Walton Heath which was a lot of people say it was the best you know, Ryder Cup team of all time. So Dave i have I got you on David's and Dave's now? Yeah, well, Any I can't more? see...
0: I can't find Dave Mar on the world rankings.
1: I mean, he's, he's, he's slipped a bit, Dave, certainly. but um, So if you're just relying on that, are you just going to come up with the very obscure Davids now?
0: Well, we're just going to finish with this one. I'm looking for the most obscure, and I've come across uh, David Opati, and I think he's from Kenya looking at the flag, but I could be wrong on the flag front there. Um, What's so, his ranking? Yeah. He's uh, 2089, so he's tied last with a lot of people.
1: Yeah, so 2089 seems to be as low as it goes. Does that mean I'm too, or do you have to have? Do you have to be a professional and actually have played in a qualifying event? Or no, there are they all 2089. I think you're all 2089. Yeah. All right. I'm going, to, so. I'm going to start putting that on my business card. 2089th ranked golfer in the world. Well, I'm. I'm sorry. I'm. am just. I'm not going to make that the last one. Dave Drysdale. David Drysdale, because stalwart of the European Tour for many years. So and a Scottish man. So there we are. Oh this feature, I'll tell you what, there aren't many golfers called Alan and we'll we'll do it again next week, or will we? Um well we'll <laughs> see about that. But on to uh
0: the other wonderful feature that how we have on this uh tremendous podcast that's growing faster than um I do not know what, but uh Eddie recommends. Yeah, that's quite good if you like that sort of thing.
1: What what do you recommend this week, Eddie? Well,
0: seeing as we've touched on the 80s with the uh, famous uh, reliving of the 1986 Masters, wonderfully narrated by yourself, um, I'm going to recommend a TV show called Stranger Things. Now, Mm. Stranger Things was set in the 80s, so that's Mm. where it's relevant. Um, It's a modern programme. There's been three seasons, and the fourth one's come out in April. So a great opportunity now with all this time off for people to catch up with it. And... um, you know, again, it's uh, it, it kind of mixes in a bit of horror in places, which surprised me and Jen, and we were taken aback a bit by that, but with some great humour and lots of kids involved. So uh, it's just a great TV show, and yeah. uh good thing to immerse yourself in. You don't sound too confident. Is it better than Silicon? It's definitely better than Silicon Valley. No, very um, different.
1: I've watched Stranger Things. It's very, good. it's very very good. Winona Ryder and The Upside Down and all that. No spoilers there. It's, br- it's brilliant. It's very dark. Um, but, yeah, no, the young girl in it is brilliant. What's... Um, what is to called? Say- Billy Bob Thornton or something. Her name is Millie Bobby Brown. Gotta be
0: careful how I word this, but she's a very pretty girl, um, and that's what struck me. Oh, she um, looks striking. Thing. She's she. I mean, she's a brilliant,
1: brilliant actor as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. Millie. Her name is Millie something. Actually, I think. Interestingly, I think she actually goes out with one of the Beckham boys does she Um, really yeah one of the Beckham boys that's that's a lovely sound to it um and actually they live quite close to us the Beckham family Uh, might go and see them this week see what they're up to do they they want to hang out I think they do they not live are they not
1: in Los Angeles or Miami is he not trying to get a football franchise going in Miami I think he's got one but no they they live they live
0: live, uh, in the UK actually a place called near a place called Soho Farmhouse um Oh, I've heard
1: of Soho Farmhouse. We're getting all the brands in, uh, the exclusive brands in today. Halo Coffee and Soho Farmhouse in Oxfordshire. Um, I think they've got a few around the country, (laughs) right? We we should
0: be looking for sponsorship because, you know, we've had some inquiries already, um, which I think is pretty amazing, three
1: weeks in. No
0: bone broth companies yet, but... um, Mm. Listen, if, hey if
1: if anybody wants to um because I know a lot of businesses are really expanding at this moment <laughs> and getting into new ventures, so if anybody wants to uh to back the pepper pod then uh we would welcome you with open arms and tears of gratitude in our eyes. But anyway, listen, we're going to end on Stranger Things there, which is rather fitting. But thank you, genuinely thank you for continuing to listen. Um, another long podcast today. but So our plans when we launched this podcast were to record on Mondays and talk about the tournaments of the weekend, a bit of other nonsense. And it was all going to be so easy and so simple and so normal. But instead it's us talking about you know Dukes of Hazard and coffee making and giving you a shot-by-shot shot recap of the 86 Masters. But, but as Eddie says, lots of you are listening. 76 countries now. Only 130 or so to go. We got, um, Eddie, an email from... We've had quite a few reviews, which are nice, and uh, keep them coming if they're nice. We got an email from Rory Omani in the desert in Oman, he says, at work, effectively on lockdown until the situation improves! Exclamation mark. I'm Irish, uh, but I live in Azerbaijan, so you can add that to your list of countries that TuneIn play. Got. He plays golf there at Dreamland Golf Club. In Azerbaijan. So I looked up Dreamland Golf Club in Baku, and it says, Dreamland Golf Club in Baku, it's got a very plush website, billed as Baku's premier golf club. There are two golf courses in the whole of Azerbaijan. So that billing, Baku's premier golf club, it might be, but the competition is limited. So it opened in 2015, Dreamland, Dreamland Golf Club, uh, with the ceremonial opening shot hit by... Hit by who? Can you guess who might Tony be there? Adams? Tony Adams. Tony Adams. The opening no, Ray Parler. No, uh, the ceremonial opening shot at Dreamland Golf Club was hit by Colin Montgomery. Um, Monty.
0: Now, interesting about Monty, he's also just uh, got a new Peloton bike, isn't
1: he? <laughs> he is. He is crushing it on Peloton. Anyway, so we're going to end there. Uh, but keep subscribing. Keep reviewing. Keep listening. Keep saying out there. But yeah, that's it. Eddie and I will be back next week. But I'm Ooh. I'm kind of worried about what might happen in the in the interim days. Um, I'm very worried. Can we tease the listenership with who um,
0: listenership? I keep saying that
1: word. That's very professional. What? Who have we got on next week as our as our professional guest? Are we I to don't say? know because I I, I I I had a couple that uh, said yes, but they may well change their minds uh, in the meantime. And if they listen to this, they may well change their minds. So uh, we will be getting some. I mean, the thing is, golfers are are captive at the moment, like everyone else. So they're trying to fill their time. So they're appearing on everything. But yeah, I think we're off to a pretty strong start with uh, Westwood and Harrington and Georgia Hall, um, but yeah, we'll we'll try and get Monty in the future, maybe Tommy Fleetwood, something like that. I don't know. We'll get we'll get somebody, but anyway, yeah. So keep subscribing, and I'm off for my one walk of the day with Ryan Reynolds off to Dreamland. Bye bye for now. Bye bye.